Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 in your scriptures this morning. Stand with me if you have your place there in Matthew chapter 6. Standing for the reading of God's word this morning. Chapter 6, look at verse 5 if you would. We're going to read down through verse 15. Verse 5, chapter 6, the gospel of Matthew. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Aren't you thankful for that? Mercy, that's a promise, isn't it? After this manner, verse 9, Therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Thank you so much for standing in honor of the reading of God's word. You may be seated this morning. In our text, our text is somewhere in the middle of the great sermon on the mount. The beginning of chapter 5, if you were to turn a page maybe, maybe two pages, the beginning of chapter 5 tells us that Jesus took his disciples and, and multitudes that followed him. Uh, verse 5, chapter 1 says, up into the mountain. And there it says, he opened his mouth and taught them. The sermon, the sermon on the mount is consisted of chapter 5 all the way through chapter 7 of the gospel of Matthew. He had much to say. And I believe that the setting was intentional up in the mountain as he led them, those that were closest to him, his disciples, and the multitudes, those that truly wanted to hear and be a part of the ministry of Jesus, as he led them into the mountain. I believe that that was intentional to decrease the distractions of everyday life. He was laying out the infrastructure of the grace-driven economy. He was teaching them how to cultivate a relationship with God, God the Father, through himself. The unwritten rule, number one, is that it required focus. They needed to focus on what was truly important in their life, and that was Jesus. They needed to focus on their relationship with Christ. Somebody ought to say amen at a 10 o'clock worship service on that truth. Think about it. In the last three weeks, we have heard very little in our world concerning COVID. Now, if you look for it, you would hear something about it. You would read something about it. But it's almost that a hush has fallen on our our society, our culture, concerning that of COVID. Our focus has moved, hasn't it? It has moved to the political unrest of the world, and, and rightly so. If we'd been a little more focused on some of these 
needs in our world today, we probably, we, that is, the United States, probably wouldn't be as weak as we currently are. Been a little preoccupied. And if that doesn't get you, it's the economy. If that doesn't get you, it's the shortages that are, that are going on. And I don't understand the shortages. Anybody with me on that? My goodness. We could talk much about those things. On and on the list could and, and would go. Within our text, Jesus gives us a personal how-to on one of the greatest tools known to the believer, and that's prayer. When you want to hone your skills in any given activity, you often look for tips, don't you? You look for tips from the pros. Maybe you get on YouTube and you look up your, your given activity and listen to a pro talk about what made them a pro. Maybe you, you go to a clinic or you go to a workshop so that you can, you can practice and hone your skills in that, in that given activity. This segment, this segment of scripture is not a lesson from a professional, but rather from the person of prayer. It's who he is. Hebrews chapter 4, hold your place in our text of Matthew chapter 6, and let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. He's not a professional on prayer. He's the person of prayer. Chapter 4, verse 14 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Somebody ought to say amen. Let us therefore, verse 16, come boldly, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You and I can come boldly unto the throne of God this morning. And by the way, we've already done that, haven't we? We did that in our Sunday school class. We did that in the opening prayer of this hour. Brother Mike led us in that. We have, we have already come into the throne room of God, and we have approached him very boldly. How have we done that? Through our advocate, Jesus Christ, our high priest. He's not a professional on prayer. He's the person of prayer. He's describing in this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the nature of a truly spiritual believer. He's going beyond the outward conformity of the law. And by the way, prayer is not one of those things that you just check off the, you check off the list, spiritually speaking. He's talking about the ingredients of a true prayer life, a rich prayer life. Not only is he talking about prayer, but in this section, chapter 6, he's talking about giving. He talks about giving in the prior verses of chapter 6 in this section. But not only giving, he talks about prayer in the verses that we shared together. And then he begins to talk about fasting. He talks about serving. He's talking about the main ingredients of a relationship with him. Prayer is not an option for the church or for the believer. It's a necessity. Please testify to that. Notice today what Jesus says about it. Number one, you must be a participant a participant. Remember, Jesus is talking to those that wanted to hear him. They followed him to this location. These are those that are truly engaged. You know his disciples are present, and these multitudes that followed him, they really wanted to hear what he had to say. It's much like our setting. That's why we've come this morning. We've come because we want to hear the Lord speak to us, don't we? That's what he's saying to these. They, they truly wanted to hear him. Productivity in the believer's life is only achievable through prioritizing your prayer time. But you have to be a participant. You have to take part in prayer. Verse 5, as Jesus begins to break down the important topic, please notice that he doesn't command us to pray. Remember the setting. He teaches us to pray. 
That's monumental, isn't it? He's not commanding you to pray this morning. He's wanting to teach you. He says in verse 5, And when thou prayest, it is taken for granted that all the disciples of Christ are praying. They're already active in this. The word prayest in the Greek here means to pray to God directly, to supplicate, which means earnestly or humbly ask or beg for something, truly to worship him. To the Christian, praying is like breathing. You have to do it to stay alive. It's a necessity. In Psalm 32, verse 6, if you're keeping notes, jot that address down. Psalm 32, verse 6, it says this, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. What time is that? Right now. Aren't you thankful that Jesus can be found? Now is the time to pray to him. What is it that you're praying? What is it that you're seeking from him? Why do you come and, and, and supplicate or, 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 or beg him earnestly for something in your life? Maybe the better question is, what are you begging him for? What is it that you need Jesus to do in your life this morning? Listen, some of you, you don't even realize it yet, but some of you, you need him to save you. You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He can and will do it. How do I do that, Pastor Josh? Through prayer, through communicating with him, asking, you'll like this, and receiving Amen. Some of you this morning, you've been saved, but you need to seek the Lord for something in your life. Something's causing you great anxiety or something that's out of your reach that you just can't reach over there and grab a hold of. And it's causing you anxiety in your life. You're nervous about it. You're anxious about it. You fret about it. You're worrisome about it. What do you need to do? You need to pray about it. Give it to the Lord. When you give something to God, you can leave it there. Please say amen to that. What is it that you're praying for or praying about this morning? Not only a participant, but look at the practice. Number two, our practice. Jesus points to proper procedure to bend the ear of God. All that many of them knew was the example that was given to them or displayed before them from the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. That's all they knew in the way of prayer. That's all they had seen. It was a public outward display of something they did not match. It didn't match the message of what they were hearing from Jesus. What they were seeing in the way of prayer concerning the Pharisees did not match what they were hearing from Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. It didn't boil down. What was it? You might ask the question. What was the difference, Pastor Josh? I'll just tell you flat out, straight out, it was hypocrisy. Their testimony and lifestyle did not match that of what they were seeing and hearing. Listen, and believing in Jesus. It didn't match. It didn't make sense. It was, not a, it was not a sound pattern to follow. You want God to listen? Yeah, we all do. Listen, that would be a complete waste of our time to come in here on, a, on an open altar Wednesday and, and come in here and kneel with the, with the prayer list and spend 30 minutes in prayer and get up and say, well, I'm sure that didn't do any good. Back to work. We want God to listen, don't we? We want God to hear our prayers. Listen, God is looking, and this is what Jesus is talking about in this text. God is looking for humility. He's looking for sincerity in our communication with him. Notice how we achieve it. It begins with our posture, our posture. Jesus says in verse 5 that the proper posture is not found standing in a lawful, proper position as the Pharisees had done. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with standing when you pray. That's not what he was driving at. 
Mark 11, verse 25, Jesus actually references standing when you pray. There's nothing wrong with standing when you pray. We just did that at the beginning of this 10 o'clock hour when Brother Mike led us in prayer. We were physically standing at that moment. Your physical posture will set in motion your spiritual approach. Jesus in Luke 22:41. if you have your Bible open, go to Luke 22:41. Nothing wrong with standing, but I think that there are some better ways, don't you? Some ways that promote sincerity, humility in our life. Luke 22, 41 says this, and he, was, and he was withdrawn from them, speaking of Jesus, about a stone's cast. What does it say? And kneeled down and prayed. Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it? Have you ever imagined the setting of the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified for you? As he prepared his heart, as he told the disciples, you know the story, to watch and pray. This text, Luke tells us that he went a stone's cast, a, a stone's throw further into the garden, and he knelt and prayed. Acts chapter 7 in your scriptures gives us another example of our posture when it comes to prayer. Acts chapter 7 is the story of Stephen, the first deacon. He's about to be stoned for his testimony, his service, his stand for the Lord. Chapter 7, verse 60 of the book of Acts gives us a description of his posture. It says, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, you know the story of Stephen. He fell asleep. He went to glory immediately. What you and I need to see is that he knelt down. Then we have the example of Paul, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verse 14. He says this. I'll read it for you. Some are turning. I can hear you, and thank you for doing that. Chapter 3, verse 14 of the book of Ephesians says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The commentary, Matthew Henry said concerning the, the hypocrite's posture that Jesus is referencing, Matthew Henry said this, quote, their standing seemed to savor of pride and confidence in themselves, end quote. Listen, when we come to the Lord in prayer, we, we need not be concerned about ourself, our pride, our self-being, but we need to be concerned about what God wants in our relationship, to focus on him, not only the posture, but look at the place. Jesus calls to our attention that this communication is about your relationship with him. It's the father-child interaction. There's nothing wrong with public prayer. He's not saying that you cannot pray in public. However, it is the practice of private devotional prayer that ultimately prepares one to pray effectively. Did you follow me? In public. Listen, I'm trusting, and I'm not saying this just flippantly this morning, I'm trusting whoever this guy is that opens this 10 o'clock service in prayer, I'm expecting that they have already prayed before they've gotten to this point. Listen, you're expecting that of our relationship. Before I ever stand here and open the text, before I ever read the text and share with you the title of the morning message, before I ever make any introductory statements of the message, you are trusting, aren't you? You better be. You're trusting that I have prayed and I have listened for God to speak in this past week so that he can speak to us in this moment. Jesus isn't saying that public prayer should not be done. He's not even saying that it should not or could not take place on the street corner when he references that in this text of Matthew chapter 6. But he is giving us an important ingredient that it ought to take place first in your closet, meaning in a private setting, that you personally have sought the Lord. You didn't just stand up in Sunday school this morning and say, I need you, y'all, I need your prayers. Oh, mercy, it's bad over at my house. If y'all could pray for me, 
I am just struggling. If we have a few moments, I'd like to tell you all about it. No, we're trusting that you are praying about some of those things on your own before you make that a public need and request. Verse 6 says, enter into thy closet. God rewards what happens in the private place of prayer publicly. Verse 6 goes on to say, thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee, say the next word out loud, openly. What happens in those private moments, those private conversations that you're having with God. Listen, God desires to reward you openly because of the private moments that you're seeking with him. The private things that you're sharing with him, those things that are causing you anxiety, those things that you know it's a fork in the road and you got to make a decision and you're seeking God for those moments and those decisions in your life on a personal basis. Listen, he's going to reward you openly because you spent time, you invested in that moment personally speaking. So not only the posture, not only the place, but look at the purpose of prayer in our practice. When Jesus mentions vain repetition in verse 7, he is referring to babbling or speaking without thinking. Verse 8 says, God knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. God doesn't need to be impressed with your words. Please say amen to that. He wants you to realize what you are in need of and seek him for it. I think that it's kind of funny sometimes when we pray and we give God this real detailed, meticulous list as if he doesn't know. Lord, I got a neighbor. His name's so-and-so. His address is such-and-such. If you're facing my house, he lives to the left of me. If you're in my house facing the road, he lives to the right of me. He mows his yard on Thursdays. He leaves for work about six every morning. Drives an old blue pickup truck. Got one dog and two cats. Mary, can't remember his wife's name, Lord. I'll look that up and let you know. Are you kidding me? What are you doing? You're wasting your time. God already knows all of that. What need are you coming to on behalf of your neighbor for the Lord, huh? What do you need to really tell the Lord about your neighbor relationship? God already knows. He knows everything that you need. He just wants you to realize what you need and call it out to him. He does, he's not looking for, for fancy words. He's not looking for the King James version of your prayer. He's looking for you to speak to him. Your heart Mm, to his ear. He just wants to hear from you. Getting on the same page with God is absolute victory in your prayer life. For this Easter season, we're praying with purpose. We've learned this. This is a learned process for us as a church. We do this every fall in preparation for our fall family weekend. Amen? So we've learned this pattern, and we have seen, haven't we? We have seen God move, praying for 30-some days. And we, we have decided and been burdened to do this for this Easter season. Praying for God to move through these Easter performances and our Easter service. We have an entire weekend of Easter. We have Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday morning. We, we're going to be at church all weekend, praise God. An opportunity to invite and encourage and see people saved. We're praying very specifically on these little prayer cards that you can put on your table or, or on your desk, wherever it might be, that will prompt you to pray. We're praying specifically. We're praying, number one, for souls to be saved. We're praying for God to move in a miraculous way. We're praying for not only people to come and respond to our invitation. I had someone tell me this morning that they've invited a family member that doesn't even believe in God, but they've agreed to come to the Easter performance. 
Listen, we're believing God to do a miracle in that individual's life, to do something that we otherwise could not or or would not see. We're expecting God to to save some folks through this, aren't we? We're not only praying for, for increase, but we're praying for preparation and logistics. There are a lot of moving pieces to this, pieces that have already begun to be shaped and, and moved into their proper place. We're, we're having rehearsals all week long. Those of you that are involved, I've said this to you a few different times, and I'll certainly say it this morning. Thank you for the sacrifice. It'll be worth it. Thank you for giving up your Saturdays. Thank you for staying to 10 o'clock on Wednesday evening after church. Thank you for doing something extra in all of the preparation. We've been working and and preparing for the set uh, and all of the preparation that will take place. All of what you see on this set behind me has to be removed, and we are going to literally build Jerusalem here. The tomb, the cross, a house, the temple. Do I have it right? All of this has to be reconstructed. That's a lot of work, isn't it? It will be worth it. We're praying for preparation and logistics. We're praying for our for our choir. We're praying for their voices. We're praying for our, our orchestra and their, their instruments and all of their practice time. We're praying for memorization of all of the lines and the scriptures that will be will be placed in this in this setting of the drama. We're praying for the rehearsals. We're praying for safety. We're praying for the sound and all of the logistics of, of the buttons and the wires and those that work those, we're praying for logistics. We're praying for all of the details. Thirdly, we're praying praying for God's presence. If God doesn't show up, we've wasted our time. And for God to show up, it it takes us being in the right place. It takes us being in submission to him, being obedient to him. What purposeful practice are you putting forth in your prayer life? Before your feet hit the ground in the morning, you ought to pray. Before you worry about something, pray. Before you complain about something, pray. Before you decide on something, pray. Before you speak, pray. Before you think, pray. Before you judge, pray. Before you act on something, pray. Before you close your eyes at night, you ought to pray. The practice of our prayer. Number three, the pattern. The pattern of our prayer. The closing part of this section on prayer is one that is familiar to many of us. Many of us would call it maybe the Lord's Prayer. Probably a better title of this section of Matthew chapter 6 is the model prayer. It's a pattern. This is not a ceremonial saying. Rather, it's a pattern to your approach. Notice what Jesus tells us in this text about the pattern of our prayer life. Number one, we ought to offer him praise. That's where our communication should begin with him praising him. Verse 9, it says, hallowed be thy name. This puts us beneath God, mercy, where we belong, right from the beginning of our time with him. And I would, I would challenge you this morning to search for something. Search for something that before you even kneel, before you even close your eyes, be determined that this is what you're going to thank him for. Maybe it's the fact that you're breathing. Maybe it's the fact that you can't bend your knees. Maybe it's the fact that you can pray to him. We take that for granted too, don't we? The fact that we can ask the God of this universe to be involved in our life, that's a pretty big blessing, isn't it? Thank him for something. Hallowed be thy name. Secondly, the purpose of our prayer. Not only the praise, but the purpose of our prayer. Verse 10 is the model, is the pattern. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, thy will be done. It's our responsibility to fulfill God's purpose in the world. And maybe I would ask you that this morning. How do you fit God's purpose? How do you fit into God's purpose today? Not your purpose, God's purpose. We're often concerned about our purpose. We have an agenda, huh? 
We know what we'd like to see, but what about what God is doing? How do you fit into that purpose? We talked about this missionary at our offering time. Boy, I'm thankful for him, aren't you? I'm thankful for what God is allowing him to do. I'm sure that when he started that that journey, that spiritual journey, he never thought that at this moment, in this season of his life and ministry, he would be reaching people the way that he is today. He is overrun with people, wanting and desiring truth, people that are people that are afraid. They have nowhere else to turn. He's able to feed them, wrap them in a warm blanket, and tell them that God loves him and sent his son for them. What is your purpose in the way of God's perfect will? We are a people on a mission. We are God's people. If you're safe, say amen. We ought to be busy about his work, praise, purpose, and then physical need. Verse 11 is the part of the pattern that we see here concerning physical need. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. We must recognize that everything that we physically possess is a gift from God. It's true. Everything that you have, every Twinkie that you open, mm, thank you, Jesus. Every glass of cool water that you turn the faucet on and hold your cup, we take that for granted. Everything that you have is a gift from God. We need his provision, don't we? We need his guidance on how to manage. We talked about, about stewardship in our, our last week today of, of Shepherd's Heart Sunday School class. We need his guidance on how to manage or steward what he, what he gives us. And then we find spiritual need. In verse 12 of the pattern, it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is a daily need in our heart. Part of your communication with the Lord, listen, you ought to seek his forgiveness. Well, Pastor Josh, I've already been saved. Hmm, that means you're perfect, I guess? I think not. Just ask your spouse. They'll point out an area that you need to seek forgiveness. Hmm, <laughs> we need to seek the forgiveness of God. Keep a short record, a short list with the Lord. Keep track of those areas and give them to the Lord so that he can keep you clean and righteous in his eyes. But not only that, the forgiveness that is available to those around us. We're great. We're great at, at taking the forgiveness, receiving the forgiveness of God, but we're not always really good at, at giving it back out to others. We need the Lord's help in that. We need to see one another the way that God sees us. And then protection. Verse 13 of the text, Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here we find the daily pursuit of keeping ourselves on the straight and narrow, seeking spiritual protection for ourselves, asking God to help us and to open our eyes to things that might be a snare or a trap to us in the way of temptation, helping us to avoid that. And we know that there's always an escape route in the hour of temptation. Have you ever asked God for that? Show it to me. Help me to find the exit. Help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he prompts me to the exit. Because we know he will, seeking protection. Jesus is giving you a pattern. He's giving you a, a template for your prayer life. He's laying out for you every step of every, every communication point that you'll ever have with him. He's giving you an example of what that should look like better, what that should sound like. Listen, he's not interested in you using flowery words like some of these words that he used. We don't use the word hallowed, be thy name. But we know what he means. We know what he's saying in the translation from the Greek to the English here. He's giving you a template, a pattern for you to follow, to give him the praise that you so need. It removes you and helps you to focus on him. And on and on the list goes. I ask you this morning, 
Participate, practice, and pattern your prayer life. And what is it this morning that you need to pray for? You're here this morning and you're not saved. You need to be saved. Let's make no bones about that. Jesus has just taught you how to come to him in communication. He has just given you the secret to spirituality. He has just told you if you'll speak to him in faith, he will listen. He'll respond. He'll hear your voice and respond. You're here this morning and you're not saved. Don't leave this place in that condition. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'd love to share with you the story of Jesus. We'd love to lead you and help you in your faith. Trust him as your savior. Christian, what is it that you need to bend your knee about this morning? Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something in your work. Maybe it's something in your finances. Maybe it's something in the way of a spiritual need. God has given you something to do. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's someone else. Some of you might be struggling this morning with forgiveness, not between you and the Lord, but you and someone else. What is it this morning that you need to seek the Lord for? Maybe it's a child praying for your child. Maybe it's a parent. You're praying for your parent. Maybe it's someone that's lost. What is it this morning that you need to seek the Lord in? Follow the pattern. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937 937- 383-1122 or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio We hope you have a great day and may God bless you